And welcome to Talk to Talk. I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And I'm Bill Newman. And despite the fact that we have been paying attention to it over the last, uh, well, more than 20 years, and in the last decade, Massachusetts has established and continues to revamp legislation and regulation to prevent bullying in our schools and to improve responses to reported bullying incidents, it still plagues us. And we are very fortunate to have with us in his monthly appearance on Talk to Talk, um, the executive director, uh, uh, Todd Gazda, um, of um, the, okay, why am I blanking right now? The, <laughs> the uh, Collaborative for Educational Services here in Northampton. Thank you so much. Would you uh, always be on my left side when I forget what I'm about to say? Will do. Okay. But on a serious note, bullying still continues to plague us no matter how much we seem to want to sort of transcend uh, the gully that we find ourselves in when it comes to people picking on people and in particular children picking on children. So and from your perch as executive director of the, the Collaborative for Educational Services, uh, what are your thoughts? I, bullying has always been a pervasive problem uh, in our schools. Uh, and, but it's not one that uh, schools typically ignore either. Um, every principal, teacher, superintendent, educator, wants students to feel safe when they come to school. They want them to feel safe. They want them to feel included, part of the community. Um, yeah, I, I shouldn't interrupt you because you're on a roll, just beginning your role, but I have to ask, what is feeling, is there a connection between feeling safe in school and learning? There is. If you are anxious or afraid or, or apprehensive about coming to school, it's going to impact your ability to, you know, learn and access the curriculum. So it just, you know, um, so it is a key element uh, to students' success in an educational environment is, the, you know, the, one of the foundational ones is to feel safe as they walk in the door. Um, but it's also a situation where we're dealing with young people uh, who are learning to socialize, a lot of times they get it wrong. And so part of what we as educators do is help them learn to interact with others, uh, with people who are different from them, uh, who may reflect different value systems, uh, who may reflect uh, different appearances. Um, all of this is kind of wrapped up into what educators do. I will say there's always, there's, there's, Seems to be an ebb and flow uh, to bullying that, you know, it rises to the, um, you know, consciousness of the public and then will kind of recede for a little bit and then it will, you know, kind of bubble up again. Right now we seem to be on a, a situation where it's, it's back up and it's on in people's attention. But it's also important to remember that to a large extent schools are a, you know, microcosm of what's happening in our country as a whole. And so as the natural, national dialogue becomes more vitriolic, uh, as people see, you know, elected uh, and public officials, you know, picking on, making fun of, and straight up bullying uh, either opponents or just anybody who, uh, you know, comes uh, in their line of fire, it, it provides students will model uh, behavior they see from adults. And unfortunately, I think that's really what we're seeing today with the uptick that we're seeing in our schools. So, Todd Gaston, in preparing for this conversation, I went and I looked at the, uh, the formal uh, regulatory definition of what is bullying in schools. And Massachusetts defines bullying as repeated, written, 
physical, verbal, and this is what I want to ask you about. It was changed in the last nine years to electronic expression mm. acts that cause physical or emotional harm to a person or their property that creates a hostile environment at school and infringes on the rights of the victim. It goes on. But uh, I'm <clears throat> very interested in that electronic expression being defined as acts of bullying. And I, w I want to focus on first the definition because that's really critical um, to you know, any incident and in how schools address it. Um, just because a student calls another student a name, just because a student is mean to another student doesn't necessarily mean that that action is bullying. It may be inappropriate. It may be wrong. It may be, you know, discipline worthy, uh, but it might not be bullying. It, in order for it to be bullying, it has to have the characteristics of bullying outlined very frankly in the law, which are it has to be repeated over time. There has to be a difference in power. Uh, between uh, the two individuals. And that can be difference in power simply because of different social status within the hierarchy of the school. Uh, or it could be different power because there's five kids uh, in one kid, but there's got to be some difference in, in the power. Um, two kids simply getting into a fight doesn't necessarily mean it was bullying that started that fight. Um, and then it has to be repeated over time. Uh, you know, a one-and-done type incident um, isn't bullying. And so those three elements are really critical. But what really is the kicker nowadays? When we were in school, um, you know, bullying was prevalent in the 70s and 80s. Um, but the difference was... I'll see you behind was, school after school. was a, a frequent thing in Atlanta when I was growing say up. Say that again? Uh, I'll meet you behind the school yes. after school. Yes. We did that all the time. I was suspended eight times in, uh, actually, I was suspended 13 times. Eight of them was because I was called dirty Jew or words to that effect and felt like I had to go up. And you was, it was a bigger kid and it was, uh, you know, that kind of thing. It was part of our culture. It was. It was. Um, and I think there's been a change over time uh, with how there's an expectation <clears throat> for students uh, and young adults to kind of handle those situations. Um, but it also is, at the end of the day, we could go home or we could remove ourselves from that situation. <clears throat> With now the prevalence of social media and the fact that students live a large part of their lives online, um, it never goes away. So there's never a break. There's never a, a time to depressurize. It's always at them. And that's where the hopelessness comes in for many of these uh, students who are the victims of bullying. Todd Yazda, one reason we wanted to have you on the show today is because January 14th is the day when Phoebe Prince committed suicide. And Phoebe Prince, for those of our listeners for whom this is uh, not a familiar name or for whom it is a familiar name but quite can't, re can't quite remember, uh, she was a student in South Hadley. She was bullied. Uh, she committed suicide. Uh, there were criminal charges brought against some of the students who had been engaged in bullying her, and her death had the uh, consequence of anti-bullying legislation being passed by the Massachusetts legislature uh, shortly after her death. Uh, she was 15 years old. It was a real tragedy. Um, has her death changed Massachusetts education in our schools has the consequences and ramifications of her death, has there been a benefit for those students who followed? 
You know, I'll say that that was a horrific situation, uh, um, and what happened uh, to Phoebe Prince did have ripple effects. And this was 2010. It was 2010. Um, and I can remember it distinctly. I was a middle school principal at the time. Uh, and I can, you know, as educators, when something like that happens, you know, we always say, what if? Uh, what if this was happening in my school? Um, you know, what got missed? How, what could I have done differently had I been the administration in that situation? Um, I, it, as, as horrifying as that situation was, there was positive change that came out of it. Uh, the new anti-bullying, well, new, the anti-bullying law that was passed in 2010 in response uh, to that tragedy uh, really did refocus schools uh, on bullying. Uh, it provided, you know, this is one instance where, um, you know, oftentimes the state focuses overly much, in my estimation, on procedural remedies and bureaucratic remedies to, sol to problems. But what was put into place, I think, caused schools to reassess how they address these issues. Uh, one, it caused them to have yearly trainings for their staff on bullying, a, re a responsibility to report by all staff members, regarding of the, regardless of their position within the school. Uh, you, even if you're the custodian, if you saw it or somebody brought it to you, there was a responsibility to report it to administration so that it could be addressed. And this training was yearly. Um, there was the necessity to create comprehensive bullying plans that would outline how uh, situations were to be addressed. That every school has to file with the state yearly, I believe. Correct. That has to be filed, I believe it is yearly, with the, with the state. Um, and then it also really articulated uh, the need, and this is the kind of non-bureaucratic, but to approach it in a proactive manner to shape the climate and culture within the school. Because let's face it, we can never completely stop a bad act. Uh, we can uh, do our best to create an environment where bad acts don't thrive and don't become the norm and part of the culture. Um, but it's, administrators are in a situation where um, they're reacting to what is happening in their schools. They do their best uh, to try and be proactive, to recognize, um, you know, who the students are who are more likely to, uh, you know, target others um, so that they can put supports into place to help minimize and to help stop that from happening. But also the idea that you have to think ahead of time of what the response is going to be. How are we going to shape that response? Is most bullying in high schools a one-on-one -on -one? Or is it more like the Phoebe Prince situation where there were a group of students who were bullying one other student? You know, it, it's uh, oftentimes groups, um, and it will be, you know, a lot of times it is former friends uh, who, uh, you know, for a situation arises, uh, and now one member of the group is ostracized uh, and targeted. Um, that can be part of it. Uh, but it's not just high school. It's middle school is a real, a really hard place to get around. But by high school, there is more. The students have developed a little bit more, um, and they can, you know, there's in middle school they are more. They're still trying to kind of figure out those social interactions and uh, figure out their place uh, in the school community. Um, by high school, that's a little bit more established, um, but. The, the flip side to that is the situations, once they hit the high school level, 
um, seem to be more severe when they when they do happen. So, you know, it, it's just kind of anecdotal evidence on my part, but I'm willing to bet that if you really did a, uh, a deep dive study that you'd see more incidents in middle school uh, and more severe incidents in high school. Todd Gassett, do you know if the incidents of bullying in Massachusetts schools are related to uh, gender or uh, gender identity, uh, uh, race, or is it more just on a personal one-on-one you fell, fell out of favor with this group? I think historically and even now, um, you know, students, uh, LGBTQ students um, and um, minority students uh, are uh, often more targeted uh, for bullying uh, than um, other students within uh, the school population. So, yes, I, I, would, think, I would say that those uh, individuals in those classes um, do experience a greater level of bullying within our schools. We don't have to look much further than Amherst. The school district was literally uh, turned upside down because of uh, allegations of bullying and, uh, and, well, I should say incidents of bullying mm-hmm. that we know about and the response to it was inadequate. But I, I'm always struck by... Teachers and school educators are, are always held to a standard of changing phenomena that really don't just originate in schools. I mean, bullying is something not, we, it's not just restricted to young people. We see bullying and violence permeating our society, and sometimes many argue that in the last, uh, during, during the previous uh, administration of Donald Trump and since, we've seen greater incidents of violence and people picking on people because they are marginalized or different or weak uh, and vulnerable to being picked on and on. I'm always struck by where else can we change our culture then starting in our schools. Hopefully the next generation will at least learn that bullying is disfavored, right? And it's one of those, that's exactly what we're trying to focus on. And, you know, pick your buzzword of the day. Um, you know, whether it's social emotional learning uh, or whatever else we want to call it. Um, but we really, as educators, try and create an environment where kindness can flourish, uh, where, you know, students can feel accepted as part of the community. All students can feel accepted as part of the community. Um, but it is challenging when you see uh, the adults behaving badly and, you know, displaying the same um behaviors that we do not want to see in our students. And bullying their children. Correct. And I'll say that, you know, these situations are rarely cut and dried. You know, the, you know, stereotypical bully in, you know, I always think back to like a Christmas story uh, and the, the bully in a Christmas story. That's about as characteristic of a bully as you can get. Very stereotypical. Um, and the power difference was very obvious there. Uh, and, but rarely is the situation that cut and dried. Uh, and it creates challenges for the administrators as they seek to deal with it. Um, sometimes the victims themselves uh, will, um, you know, be socially awkward and so create situations where, um, you know, their peers react uh, in a negative manner to whatever they may be doing. Uh, and so some of it is, you know, helping with them, learning social cues and learning how to navigate social situations while still responding to the incidents that arise. Um, and, but, 
you know, I can see, you know, in my career as an administrator, I've been through a lot of these situations that we've had to handle. Um, I will say that is where the structure that the law provides is very helpful as you go through the process, outline and notify all parties involved, uh, then follow the procedures, establish safety plans uh, for uh, victims of bullying so that you can set up and they know what the supports are for them as they go into the schools, all to try and, you know, create that safe environment. But it is tough when uh, as soon as you say you start the investigation and you determine it's bullying, then it heightens it for the parents. Either my kid is being bullied or my kid's not a bully. Why are you calling him a bully? And so it creates a different dynamic in the conversation. Well, and by the way, I want a bumper sticker of uh, what you just said earlier, which is create an environment. Create a climate in which kindness can flourish. Let's all work on that. We'll continue to talk to Todd Gaza about bullying right after this. to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. And we're back talking to the executive director of the Collaborative for Educational Services, Todd Gazda, and we're talking about, well, a serious uh, a problem which just seems to plague us, not, uh, not only restricted to our schools, but we're particularly concerned about stopping the cycle of bullying in our society, Todd. Um, so how much of what you do involves helping schools with this nettlesome condition they find themselves in of students bullying other students? You know, at the, at the elementary and lower, lower levels, we have supports we can put into place. Um, you know, it, all through the work of developing a positive school environment. I mean, so that's the work that the collaborative does uh, to help support schools in that mission is really through that, you know, listening to student voice, hearing concerns, uh, creating a positive school environment. How do we work with educators uh, so that they learn to how, how best to support students who are struggling? Um, but it's not just that. It's also to support the students who are the aggressors in these situations. A lot of times there's a reason, well, let's, not a lot of times, all of the time, there is a reason for that behavior. Uh, it can be environmental, it can be mental, it can be um, you know, a situation where maybe they are powerless in some aspect of their life, and this is what they're doing to gain some power. Uh, and Over so, somebody else. Correct. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's helping, it's, it's really looking at it holistically to say, okay, here's the situation. How do I unpack this so that uh, I can make sure that the target of the, the aggression is safe in uh, the, our schools and simply feels safe and supported? But how do I support the aggressor so that uh, they can feel, you know, to, to help them learn to change that behavior and focus their energies in a more positive manner? The seriousness of this, I think, cannot be overstated. I'd like to quote two paragraphs, if I might, from 
a Mass Live article by Stephanie Barry. This is November 21st of 2023, Dateline Springfield. Attorneys wrangled in federal court Tuesday over whether school officials should be held liable for the suicide of a 15-year-old student in 2020. The girl, identified as NM in court documents, died by suicide on January 30th, 2020, one month after the child's mother took her daughter out of Northampton High School, where she was allegedly physically and verbally attacked by other students at least three times. And she took her out, and then when she and the school officials were trying to remedy whatever the situation was that was causing her to feel suicidal, she went back to school, I think after two months, and, and eventually committed suicide. Um, and the school officials, the allegations are, uh, didn't do enough in their efforts. It's, uh, the, sc- the case was initially filed in Hampshire Superior Court. It was then removed because of the civil rights claims that are a part of the lawsuit to federal court, which a defendant has the right to do to remove federal claim, remove a case to federal court when there are federal claims, which can be brought in state court, but that allows the case to be removed to federal court, and that's where it is now. And this was a motion to dismiss hearing in front of uh, Judge Mastriani. All of which is to say this, we, we've come nowhere close to resolving the, the, the problems. It's yet another suicide. Phoebe Prince, tragically, was 2010. Here we are 10 years later and only a few years ago where another student committed suicide, allegedly because of bullying. These are always situations um, that pull uh, at our heart. Um, that make us feel uh, for those involved. And, 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 and it does, but i really like to know, Todd Gazda, mm. how are schools supposed to know? How does this uh, change from a student-on-student disagreement, which can be very intense, to a situation of bullying, which puts another student in serious jeopardy? How do you know? It is hard. Um, it, is, it is very difficult as you are working through the process to address these situations. Um, you know, as an administrator, uh, it can become frustrating when everything you try, every support you put into place doesn't work, doesn't resolve the situation. The bullying continues. Um, and you know, it's like, it's, it's like trying to hold back the tide sometimes, uh, you know, you, you, you've built that sandcastle and, and it just keeps getting washed away and washed away. And no matter what supports you put into place and what you try, you can't stop the behavior from happening. Um, that keeps administrators up at night. Um, they feel these situations, they feel, uh, for the individuals involved, um, and, you know, when something absolutely as tragic as a student taking them lives, their lives occur, uh, it shakes us. Uh, and not just those involved. I mean, other administrators feel it well because you always put yourself in the, the position of those involved. I think the entire community feels it when a young person tragically loses their life. And everybody says, what should have been done? What a place to leave it. Um, it, it is a tragedy that just uh, yanks at every heartstring, and um, I, for one, am glad that there are people like Todd Gasta trying to confront these uh, just 
impossible issues, horrible issues. Thank you, Ty Gazza, for being with us, and thank you for all you do, and thank you, educators, for being out there working so hard. We will be right back. We're going to talk to the executive director of Amherst uh, Business Improvement District from the Chamber of Commerce right after this. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.